This is the Power of Partnerships, Changing the Game for Digital Transformation, presented by SAP, the best-run SAP. You'll hear from the innovators who know how to use game-changing technologies and business strategies to transform industries. And importantly, they will discuss how these technologies and strategies can shake up the status quo in your company's future and help your organization move in exciting new directions. Now, here's your host and moderator, Bonnie D. Graham. Welcome, welcome, welcome. If you want to help make the world a better place, then it's time to run with the game changers. And this is where the best are. What's the buzz on the street today? I have a quote from a VP of Performance Acceleration for a company called Marcus Buckingham. Here we go. Her name is Amy Leshkow. There's no question COVID-19 has upended the working world and prompted a number of changes. Work from home is the new normal. Employees are stressed and distracted. Workforces are compressed as employers struggling financially are forced to make layoffs and employees are taking on extra work. Employee engagement and connection are key. Workers who feel like they get attention and appreciation from their employers are more likely to feel engaged and productive at work. That's the quote. So let's talk a little bit about that. As we enter a new era of homeworking where employees' well-being is at the forefront on so many levels that it wasn't before, you can't see your employees in many cases. You don't know what's going on in their homes. You don't know if they're homeschooling. You don't know if they're taking deliveries. You don't know if they're stressed in terms of their family or financially. So how well is your organization's reward strategy positioned for this Some people call it the new normal world. I have another word for it. We won't talk about that. Business leaders today must, must evolve their programs to reflect these major shifts in how people work and how business gets done. And the key is how business gets done. Is your company reopening? Are you repositioning? Are you pivoting? How are you staying afloat? You need to be there for your employees to have something to do, to get paid, to work. Everybody wants to win in this situation. So if you're not there yet, it's time to explore those changes and the key role of technology platforms to develop and implement them across your organization. I have three specialist experts, visionaries, insight-packed people here with me today. I'm on Zoom with them and I can see them. Almost all of them are smiling. Yes, they like what I call them. We have Oliver Morath at Meta Finance. We have Morgan Morton Babakani at Brand Monks. We'll find out about their companies. And Florian Dreyfus at SAP Success Factors. Welcome, gentlemen. And they're going to share their insights on the power of partnerships in talent retention in the new normal. And a shout out to Noala Spooner at SAP behind the scenes for putting together this wonderful topic and panel. So let's go around the table. Oliver Morath, please introduce yourself. Tell us a little bit about your company and what does this topic mean to you? Hi, Oliver. Absolutely. Hi, Bonnie. Thanks. Thanks a lot for having me. Um, so my name is uh, Oliver Morath. Um, I'm with uh, MetaFinance, um, a focused uh, SAP SuccessFactors partner. And um, I've been in the yeah, consulting, into consulting or the professional services industry for, for 20 years now. And uh, like for the past 10 years, I've been focusing on digital HR solutions uh, based on SAP success factors. And for almost all of my uh, professional life, I've been either delivering projects or helping people deliver projects or uh, building teams and establishing uh, implementation uh, practices. And uh, talent retention has actually been a topic uh, for me throughout my entire career, actually, because not just the professional service industry, I guess, elsewhere, too. uh, You want to keep your team together. You want to keep good people. And uh, really, it's, um, yeah, an an ongoing challenge. And 
um, uh, a topic uh, that's always on the agenda and that goes across uh, like uh, different generations or, or demographics um, of, of workforce. Yeah. So it's a very meaningful topic to me. Thank you very much, Oliver, and welcome. Let's go around the table. Next, Morton Babakani. Please introduce yourself. What do you do? What's your company? And what's your relationship to this topic? Morton, welcome. Thanks for having me, Bonnie. It's a great pleasure. Well, going back to the beginning, my name is Morton Babakani, born and raised in Tehran, in Iran. Um, I have moved at the age of 12 to southwest Germany to the beautiful city of Heidelberg, and this is where I live. And um, I don't remember actually um, growing up really being exposed to entrepreneurship um, in, in any way, but looking back, uh, I do realize that I was the kid um, who has stuck uh, to ideas and went around and, and tried to produce, create stuff, and sell it also sometimes to other kids. <laughs> And uh, yeah, after finishing school and, and, and little work experience, and because everybody used to talk about it at this time, I have um, accidentally started um, studying computer science, for which I was not cut out at all. And um, yeah, my first professional career was in the HR IT software company called um, Entry, which later was uh, taken over by Sirquent and NTT Data Group. I worked in this uh, business for several years in various company in various um, companies and position for sales uh, from sales till um, to board member and after some years in this area and by chance um, and because my heart was always with the fast moving enterprises and entities i decided to start my own business in the area of recruiting change and people management and i have found my deep passion and deep emotional yeah, connection for solving problems in the HR uh, environment. And um, yeah, the reason I say that is because I feel really um, almost religious about the mission of my company and my personal mission, and which is helping companies to recognize talents and abilities and motivation of each individual. And yeah, I, I believe I have one of the most interesting jobs ever. I have the privilege to and pleasure to work uh, with in an upcoming digital environment and, and um, yeah, work with educated, young, motivated people. And yeah, delighted to be in this panel. Thank you very much. We're delighted to have you here as well. Uh, interesting story. Very. Thank you for sharing how you got to where you are. And I loved how you said your your company, your brand is almost religious for you. It's very serious. And that's the kind of commitment and passion we look for in all of our panelists on these shows, Morton. So thank you for sharing that. Florian Dreyfus, you're up next. Please introduce yourself, Florian. Yeah, thank you very much for, for having me. My name is Florian Dreyfus. Um, I'm actually uh, spent my, my whole career uh, in the interface between uh, business and uh, and IT. I started uh, my career at uh, the Munich Re, so the, the largest reinsurance company, working there as uh, the assistant to one of the board members before I became the head of finance and controlling for their IT service provider. And now for, yeah, uh, close to 10 years now with SAP, I'm currently the, the COO for success factors in the uh, region Middle Eastern and uh, Middle and Eastern uh, Europe. And uh, one, um, one of my uh, main fields or objectives within this role playing the, the interface between our service or our, our salespeople and the customer and our product management is around the future of work and especially around the topic how digitalization 
uh, and all the strategies which are around are changing, let's say, the expectations you have um, for HR, how this is changing, how is HR changing, and based on that also uh, the question about how is talent retention changing, how is talent management changing, and uh, regarding the future of work and all the consequences, for example, when it also comes to uh, one of the most required skills uh, like creativity, for such um, topics I have now for five years, um, I'm a lecturer at uh, the university uh, here close to my, my hometown, and uh, where we also where also I get the expression how um, when it comes to talent retention, how the expectations of the next generation is changing. So um, I'm looking forward to the discussion we have today about this topic. Thank you very much. Before we get to the opening quotes, I want to go around the table with a quick question. Now that talent is is in flux, it's floating. Do people have a job to come back to? Are they able to work remotely? Will the factory open? Will the office open? Is this whole concept of talent retention because of COVID, because of the worldwide pandemic, it affecting different countries, different communities, different towns, different cities and states differently, different levels of are we controlling it? Are we seeing a surge? Is this just turning the whole concept of talent retention on its ear from what anybody who's alive today has ever known. In other words, are the stakes higher and is this much more of an urgency, as I said in my opening, for companies to understand the need to change and deal with reward and retention, finding the talent, keeping them, keeping them happy? Is it much more in flux and is it at a critical level? Oliver, let's just quickly, two minutes Mm -hmm. apiece, just give me your, I want to give the audience an overview of your opinions from your vantage points, from where you work and what you see professionally and personally. Oliver, share with us for a minute, please. Yeah, absolutely. So I think the current situation definitely changes like uh, recruiting and onboarding scenarios, for example, really um, impacts the way you get to know people up front before you actually make a decision to hire them, for example, right? And then also uh, onboarding where you might not go to the office and get your equipment, but rather get uh, FedEx or UPS uh, deliver your laptop and, and equipment uh, to, to your home and would actually start your work experience with a new company in home office rather than in the, the company's premises. So that's uh, completely different, uh, definitely. And um, also, of course, uh, especially when you uh, need to handle large teams, um, I think it's really important um, and more, um, yeah, more crucial to really stay in touch uh, with with everybody because um, yeah I'm not sure as to whether everybody um, would be able to cope with this like home office dominated situation um, in the same way right and really keep um, like um, connected uh, to the team in the same way as when uh, meeting in in an open space for example Thank you. Morton, chime in, please. What do you think? Mm, I think, um, I think uh, working from home um, has not necessarily become the new normal, uh, like you said before. Um, if the infection rates are low, like in Germany, we talked about it before, at the present, and, and protective and hygiene regulations have been or can be reduced, there is no need for, um, to force anyone to, to remote work. So I think it is important to respect the fears and concerns of each individual. And um, we have 
always allowed our employees flexibility in terms of mobile working even before COVID-19 and um, they were allowed to decide wherever they wanted to work at home or, or not and I think it is the right way to give more, uh, the, to give employees the opportunity but let them decide for themselves if they want to take this option. Uh, interesting. Thank you very much, Florian Dreyfus. What do you think? What's your POV? Yes, so, so just, just starting with the, the first thing Morton just said regarding um, the uh, working from home as a new normal. I think in, in our positions like Morton, Oliver, as also myself, we are quite um, used to, to work from home and decide uh, whether or where to work. But actually, I'm coming from an industry, as I said before, from the financial services industry, where um, the home office thing wasn't something which was accepted. And I think now it showed, given the COVID-19 crisis, that most of the challenges people saw that are even not challenges. So there will be um, more home office. I totally agree that um, the new normal won't be working uh, solely from home, uh, but I think it will change for, for many industries because they saw it's actually possible. And coming back to your to your question, what's actually changed when it comes to, to talent retention? Um, so what Oliver said, uh, this uh, staying in touch with your people, um, asking them how are they feeling in terms of uh, giving the COVID-19 crisis, how are they doing? Do they have all the infrastructure they need? Is everything okay? Is everything fine uh, at home? I think that was the, the first thing in, in terms of because you, you don't see the people um, at, at the office space. So that uh, changed uh, somehow the, uh, the conversation. And um, yeah, that's something how to stay in touch um, with your people given um, the virtual uh, environment. I think that is uh, a challenge as, as long as we are not uh, allowed to, to, to go to the office uh, and, and see people physically. Thank you all. Appreciate the insights. Wanted to get that on the table for us before we dive in. Now it's time to dive into the quotes. If you're new to Game Changers Radio and our audience, by the way, we appreciate our audience all over the world. We hope we're keeping you informed, educated, and inspired while you might be home, not working or home working, and you need a distraction. This is where you need to come. Game Changers Radio. We are live today. It is July something. I think it's the 23rd of July. I don't even know what month it is anymore. I know we're still in 2020. Can't wait for this year to be over. I have asked my panelists in advance to send me a quote from a book, a movie, a song. And we had a couple surprises with the quotes today. And when I get to that surprise, I will tell you all. First up, Oliver Morath sent us a quote from Daniel H. Pink in his book, Drive. Let me give a little background, Oliver. Daniel H. Pink, born on July. It's his birthday today. He was born in 1964, July 23rd. How about happy? Everybody say happy birthday, (laughs) Daniel. Happy birthday. How did you do that, Oliver? Wow. American author. He's written six books, four made the New York Times bestseller list. He was a host and co-executive producer of the 2014 National Geographic Channel social science TV series, Crowd Control. That's kind of funny given today we don't have crowds to control, except on Zoom. From 1995 to 97, he was the chief speechwriter for Vice President Al Gore. And uh, his book, the, the quote is coming from a book called Drive, The Surprising Truth About What Motivates Us. It's the fourth nonfiction book he wrote. And he also wrote, I found this fascinating, he wrote a book called The Adventures of Johnny Bunko. The Last Career Guide You'll Ever Need. I think I have to get that one and read. So here's the quote that Oliver Morath has picked from Daniel H. Pink's book, 
Drive, written in 2009, our default setting, I'm putting air quotes up if you can't see me, our default setting is to be autonomous and self-directed. Oliver, unpack this for us, please. What does this mean in relation to our topic today? Absolutely. So when, when I thought about talent retention, talent rewards, um, it, for me, it, it really came down to a question to what drives and, and motivates people. Um, just next to a decent salary, a couple of benefits, um, uh, etc. And um, I think uh, what um, talent retention is much about is, is really to create like um, a rewarding environment and uh, work experience for your employees, right? So that uh, they, they really sort of, it would really trigger this um, intrinsic motivation that um, uh, Mr. Pink describes um, uh, in his book, this, this inner drive, so to say, and um, he's, he's basing this on these three concepts of autonomy, mastery, and purpose. Um, and yeah, so it, it felt so true to me. So when I read through the topic uh, of, of today's uh, session, um, I instantly grabbed the book from my bookshelf and um, yeah, ended up with this quote finally. I'm glad it inspired you. We like the quote a lot. Thank you very, very much. And now let's go around to Morton Barbacani. He sent us a quote from Billie Jean King. And in a couple of minutes when we get to Florian, I'll tell you why this, these two quotes are a surprise. I'll tell you in a second. The listeners will figure it out. Billie Jean King, nay Moffat, born, she wasn't born today, but she was born in 1943. American former number one professional tennis player. She won 39 Grand Slam titles, 12 in singles, six in women's doubles, 11 in mixed doubles. She was busy. She often represented the U.S. in the Federation Cup and the Whiteman Cup. She was a member of the victorious U.S. tennis team in seven Federation Cups and nine Whiteman Cups. And for three years, she was the U.S. captain in the Federation Cup. At age 29 in 1973, she won the Battle of the Sexes tennis match. I don't know if you remember. Morton is nodding. He remembers against then 55-year-old Bobby Riggs. She was 29. He was 55. She also was the founder of the Women's Tennis Association, the Women's Sports Foundation, considered by many one of the greatest women's tennis players of all time, introduced into the International Tennis Hall of Fame in 1987. All right, Bonnie, get to the quote already. I'm getting to it. I'm getting to it, Morton, but I love these backgrounds. Here we go. The quote is, champions keep playing until they get it right. What a quote. That's a over the net. That's a grand slam. Morton, I loved your quote too, Oliver, but I just thought that was really, really cool. Morton, what does this have to do with our topic? Go ahead. <laughs> yeah, thanks, Bonnie. Um, I appreciate all the history. I guess you're also a big tennis fan. <laughs> yes, yes. Yeah. Um, yeah, I have read and, and we as a company research a lot in understanding the, the generations. And I think, um, and I do really believe that the millennials and also the following Generation Z might be much more um, disruptive for our existing business models than the whole AI and digitalization together. And um, for the upcoming generations, such as the post-milk or the car-free generation or the digital nomads like you wrote or the whole no-brand economy, and I'm saying that completely without judgment, for them many things are unknown and unfamiliar or different things um, important. And um, the point is that that this generation is simply living their lives in, in, in a much more project-based way, that, that there is no long-term commitment to the companies as there used to be, and everything has, has a project character for them. And I think um, that has an 
has a great impact in our existing business models. And um, the problem we have to solve is we as the industry or, or, or business provide them with all the benefits and reward strategies to keep them actually in the company and wonder why they leave or looking for something else. And um, we need to see what is really important for them and what they are really need and, and um, what they may not have learned from their home base or parents. So I think it's a, it's a corporate responsibility. We have to work really extra hard to, to, to teach them how they build their life, to teach them the social skills, the skills of cooperation and, and helping them building their self-esteem and, and job satisfaction or, or job fulfillment. And yeah, there were a lot of, um, there are well-researched reasons why these generations are the way they are. And I believe that we as a company, like I said, we have the responsibility to take care of them. And that's why I, I have quoted Billie Jean King. She, she took great care for the next generation. And, um, and yeah, she was a symbol for equal rights and equality. And yeah, she was the founder, like you said, for the Korean WTA. And yeah, if none of that matters, so she's <laughs> still the Hall of Famer. <laughs> there you go. Great quote. Thank you. And, and I'm reading the quote, Morton, champions keep playing until they get it right. It reminds me of a, a, a very popular phrase. Fail fast, fail often. Some people say fail forward, right? Florian is, is nodding his head. You all are. It's just keep going, keep trying. What, what was Didn't Einstein or um, uh, the light bulb, um, he said, uh, uh, I haven't failed 10,000 times. I've, I've just been getting it right 9,999, and I finally got it right on the 10th. There's a quote like that. I'm, I'm messing it up, but you get the idea. I love the quote because it, it positions the concept of failing, Morton, in terms of, you are a champion and what did it take to get there and how do you keep staying there? You keep doing it until you get it right. Wonderful. Very motive. We got to put that up on a side. Who wants to paint that on a wall? I'll, cro <laughs> I'll crochet it on a, on a pillow after the show. I'll say you. <laughs> Thank Florian, you. Florian, you're up next. Florian, here's a surprise on the show. Florian also picked a quote from a very, very, very famous tennis player. My actual favorite. It's a toss up between Federer and Nadal. This is a quote between Roger Federer. Uh, Federer born, no, he wasn't born today either, but August 8th, 1981, very young man. Swiss professional tennis player ranked world number four in men's single tennis by the Association of Tennis Professionals. That's the ATP. He's only won 20 Grand Slam singles, the most in history for a male player and has held the number one spot in the ATP rankings for 310 weeks, including a record consecutive 237 weeks. The year-end number one five times, including four consecutive. He went professional in 1998 and continuously ranked in the top 10 from 2002 to 2016. He has a record win of eight Wimbledon men's singles, six Australian Open titles, five U.S. Opens, and one French Open. And he was one of only eight men to have achieved a Grand Slam, career Grand Slam. Wow. I love watching him, and I hope he never retires, but I think he's threatening. Here's the quote Florian has selected from Roger Federer. I always believe if you're stuck in a hole and maybe things aren't going well, you will come out stronger. Everything in life is this way. Beautiful quote. Florian, how'd you find this one? Yeah, so, so just to give you a little bit perspective, you just said that he won a six Australian Open title and uh, one of his titles has been in uh, 2017, also then against Nadal in the final. 
And there he showed uh, quite well in, in, in coming back after an, an injury he had over six months. He, this was one of his first tournaments. And uh, besides that, also laying back in the, in the fifth uh, set uh, with a three to one. And at the end of the day, he, he won this match. And uh, what this shows is for me and combining this uh, with today's topic, uh, it, it's all about uh, resilience and uh, or resilience. So when you have a look, when we come to digitalization and the, the frequency of, of change we see and how it's increasing, that's one of the most important topics uh, from my perspective uh, because you will stuck uh, in holes where things are changing, Your the, the, the way how we are work uh, is, is changing. Um, perhaps as we see now in the COVID-19 crisis, jobs are getting lost. And then coming back from just, um, just an, uh, such a hole um, and getting uh, onto the next level, that will be something when it comes to talent, to talent management, to prepare ourselves, prepare our teams for that. And therefore, I found this uh, quote um, quite inspiring for today's um, talk. Thank you. And you used the word resilience. And, and our topic today, our show, this series is the power of partnerships. And isn't the power of partnerships really doesn't it come down to a way to be resilient? If you can't do it all yourself, if your company doesn't have the talent or the innovative DNA or you're out of ideas or you need to break into a new market, you form a partnership, a strategic alliance. You work with other companies. And I know there's a lot of philosophy today that it could even be a partnership with a competitor and you form new innovative, and Oliver is, is nodding, you form new innovative ways of looking at a problem or solving a need in your shared marketplace. So Florian, thank you for bringing up that word resilience. I think it's very very important, not just to today in terms of the workforce and retention and the employers needing to be resilient, employees needing to be resilient, but the whole concept of the power of partnerships is a sense of resilience. It's moving forward together. That's what a partnership is. So thank you for that. Gentlemen, I appreciate your quotes. I have to ask a question. Morton and Florian, did you two get together? No, no, no. Nope. But but I am very happy that we have today a tennis-related yeah. court round. So I love it. I love it. So, so then my question is, Oliver, how come you weren't on the same uh, metaphysical wavelength as them? That you would have well, picked I, one. I used to play tennis when I was a teenager. That but counts. We, oh, okay. For volleyball. So, um, yeah. That um, counts. I like okay. tennis too, but I'm not that um, into it, that much into it as uh, the guys are. <laughs> Martin has a comment. Martin, go yeah, ahead. Yeah, yeah. I have um, I have a question to Florian. Is he going to, to win Wimbledon again, Florian? <laughs> are we already in the crystal ball part of the, of the show? No. <laughs> okay, let's, I, let's, I, let's I, keep I, it I, for I, later. I, I, <laughs> let's keep it for later. I, I have one about that one, yeah. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. And I always say to my listeners, we, we always do a crystal ball predictions round at the end. They each get 60 seconds on the clock to give a prediction. I always tell my panelists, if you don't want to give a prediction on the topic of the day, give a sports prediction. But recently, nobody is playing. So what would you predict? But we just got a clue. We just got an insight into today's crystal ball. I like that. I, I like the three of you very much. Now it's time for the formal roundtable segment of the show. And my panelists have each sent me four statements of what's important to them about this topic. We've been talking about it in, in depth and detail since we started. But I'm going to pick one statement from each and we'll go around the table. I'm going to, I have one selected. Oliver, I'm going to go to your statement number one. That's your clue. That's your roadmap. And I'm going to read the statement, ask Oliver to expand it for about two minutes. And then we will see what Morton has to say about it. Morton, I'll ask you to agree or disagree 
And if you disagree, that's fair game because it'll keep the listeners out. What? I thought they all had the same point of view. We disagree. So you can tease the audience a little bit with that. And Florian, then you bring that one up and then I'll bring up the rear on that one. And then I'll pick a statement from Morton and we'll go around in the same order and then one from Florian. So let's see what we're going to cover next. So Oliver said the following. Cloud technology can make a strong contribution to talent retention by supporting great ex employee experiences with critical HR processes, but also by enabling us to work in a much more flexible manner altogether. Now, altogether was an interesting word because you could have said together, but you said altogether, which is a, a much bigger concept. So, Oliver, unpack this for us, please. Go ahead. Sure. Yeah. So, uh, I, I think we've entered this sort of... Um, period of um, um, experience economy, right? And um, uh, cloud technology, as, as the statement says, really, it, it can support uh, or make, make a strong contribution to those moments that uh, really matter um, in an employee's uh, life cycle, be it the onboarding experience, um, be it uh, the uh, recruiting uh, experience. Um, but also throughout, uh, through other processes, uh, such as performance uh, reviews, um, compensation processes, et cetera, um, supporting transparency, um, creating engagement, uh, et cetera. So that's, that's the one aspect uh, of my statement. Um, but then it, the, the second part of the statement, enabling us to work in a much more flexible manner altogether, it's really, it actually gets back to this resilience aspect we spoke about earlier, because um, if uh, you want to be able to cope with the current situation, the COVID situation, where for many, for many organizations, people need to work from home, of course, you need to have the right solutions, digital infrastructure in place. That's a prerequisite, right? Um, uh, no point in trying to work from home when your systems sit behind a firewall that you cannot get through, sort of. Mm -hmm. So I believe cloud technology um, is really key, but it needs to go along with uh, culture and uh, mindset-related aspects as well. Thank you very much. Let's go around the table. Morton Babakani at Brand Monks, please join us. What's your thought about what Oliver just shared? Go ahead. Yeah, this is a totally interesting approach. Thanks for that. Um, I have a general question. Um, but, um, but what do you think how it works with employees who still love their writing and pad and pen? So, um, I mean, um, or, or who still have their post-its stuck around the monitor or, or print out emails or prefer to call the HR by phone and share their sensitive concerns instead of calling up a ticket. So I, I guess I guess I love technology. I love digital processes, um, but we work with human beings, and and we can't always just assume that's all about us. And we we must also consider those who accept and and use technologies but have no affinity for them and still do a good job. So I think we have to take care also of them. So. Yeah, that's 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 my that's my general question to you. Yeah, Oliver, you want to respond back? Yeah, so, so so I think cloud technology can simply be a contributor, right? And there will be uh, those uh, people and, and guys around, as as you just as you just uh, described them. But uh, in terms of the like overall strength or resilience of a company, I think it's um, uh, really, it can be a strong contributor, cloud technology. 
Great. Yeah. Thanks. Mm-hmm. Thank you. And let's go to Florian. Join us. We've got an interesting, provocative conversation going. Florian, what's your POV? Yes, I think as just Morton raised the question, it's at the end of the day, and I understood also the comment of Oliver in that direction, cloud technology is at the end of the day an enabler. So um, I think an important enabler in, in terms of um, a lot of people are um, are used to from their from their private life to have this, yeah, let's say Apple-like or Amazon-like kind of experience and how you are interacting um, uh, with systems and, and, and support. And I think that's something um, you see, uh, at least when I look at my students, uh, when they are doing, uh, for example, internships at our company or asking them for a job, that the first question, they are not asking about, uh, do we get any notebook or something? So more in the direction of what's the version of the iPad or the iPhone or whatever smartphone it is uh, we receive. So they would like to consume services in such a way. And then therefore cloud is an, a perfect enabler. On the other hand side, uh, what just Martin raised, uh, we have a, a lot of, of people who are used to, to work on the one hand side on, on paper. So it has a lot to do with, let's say, change management. Mm-hmm. And we also have people who, who haven't access uh, to it. Take, for example, the whole population in companies, the blue color workers. So um, most of them are, um, don't have a smartphone or the access and how to, to address them with the experience, with all the things around talent retention. I think that will be or might be also a question to, to address in today's call. That's also um, uh, quite interesting. So, um, yeah, to summarize it, it's a an, an, an great enabler to, 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 to deliver uh, the kind of user experience most of the um, workforce is used to. Nevertheless, it's a lot of change management around it. And you have to think about how to, to take the people on board, uh, like the blue-collar workers who are not so used to. Thank you very much. Good topic, Oliver. Good start to our roundtable. Oliver is smiling. And now I'm see I'm rewarding you. That's what our program is about today. Talent rewards. Reward system. I'm just living the dream, living the talent retention here. Morton Babakani, I'm looking at your statement number one. It was so provocative when I saw it. We have to include it in the show today. Morton says, don't mess up your talents with sophisticated retention programs. Let's be honest, that's not what our digital natives are really interested in. Okay, Morton, as we say on the news, please unpack this for us. Go ahead, Morton, you're up. <laughs> sure. Um, so we have here typic- their typical uh, generation millennials and Z question. And because all the companies uh, are currently engaging with them. There are many discussions and questions and a negative picture also in our minds. And the uh, experts say that these generations are difficult to manage or they are demanding or they're lazy or, or, or they would like to have a career but without responsibility. And, um, and also some of, and some also call them lovingly the bouncing unicorns on the grass. So, um, <laughs> and uh, it is believed that, that these generation want to work for a company that offers responsible rewards with strong corporate values, mission, and, and purpose. And on top, but with free fruit in the kitchen, beanbags, and also soccer tables. And, um, but with focus on social equity and environment protection. And uh, like everybody knows him, like Simon Sinek uh, said it in one of his interviews, um, there are some characteristic attributes like wrong and failed parenting strategies or the technologies that they are facing in their life or their impatience. And these are the reasons for their behavior. 
and um, and there are also some solid surveys from from um, some research companies and also a good one from Stepstone. Um, they have found that eight reasons why why employees stay with their company, and the number one is is people and colleagues. Um, which is not um, surprising at all. The employees spend a lot of time at work, daytime at work, and they, they would like to interact or uh, work with people who they like them and are important to them. And um, it has something to do with the cultural fit. The second thing is, is sense and appreciation. We spend, like I said, a quarter of our lifetime in work and we don't want to spend this time without any sense. The third one is leader and, and as human beings, that, that means with all their behavior, with, with their trust in what they are doing to us and with their appreciation. And then it comes the normal work-life balance like we, we know. And um, the employees say, if, if, if I'm already interacting in the social media, for example, for many, uh, for my company in, in the evening or at night and, and like and, and share all the posts and commit myself to my company, I would like to organize my, my time in the way I see it best for me. And, and at the fifth uh, place, it comes the career opportunities and perspectives that we gave them. And believe it or not, at the sixth place, it comes the salary. Sixth place is the salary. And then at the seventh and eighth place, um, there comes the well-known benefits such as the football table or beanbags or nuts or coffee or PlayStation or the creative room somewhere. And um, yeah, all these things uh, are what we show as a company, obviously, in a big way on our website because we don't know it better. And um, so our important task as a company is to communicate all the important facts, not the facts like uh, that we have a fruit basket in, in the kitchen. So um, the point um, that I said, the points two till five are all leadership topics and summarize, I can say, um, the, perspect uh, the perspectives of the management in the, in the German-speaking organization and what employees want, uh, want sometimes gap miles apart and yeah, we have a really fantastic, hardworking, smart generation who suddenly enter the business world and realize that they are not the center of the universe and attention and numbers and goals are important. And, and, and um, yeah, um, they need to perform first. So as the, as the company, we have to take, take care of the responsibility for them. And um, we have to work really extra hard to, to teach them all the necessary things like I said before, skills of cooperation and yeah, all the slow, difficult processes where you have no app for that. Very interesting. The human aspect. Thank you, Morton. I so appreciated your survey results and salary was number six. Isn't that interesting? Isn't that interesting? Years ago, decades ago, generations ago, it would have probably been in the top one, two, or three, maybe number one consistently. Exactly. I also want to tell you, Florian, I'm going to call on you in a second, but mm -hmm. several years ago, I attended some HR webinar at some company I was working for, and the, the presenter had an interesting concept that there is no such thing in our modern world, and I think you're all going to agree with this, as work-life balance. More aptly put, it's work-life integration 
you're integrating your work into your life. There is no balance. There really, and now with people working from home who've never done it before and their families in the room and shushing the dog and the cat and the kids from coming in while they're on a conference call, there's no balance there. They're just worlds colliding. And in a sense, in a sense, listen to this. I just came up with what I hope is a brilliant idea. The work at home environment is a partnership of you as an employee and you as a family member or you as a community member. And the partnership is how do we all get together and make it happen and collaborate successfully so this person can do their job, so this parent can teach their children. Think about that partnership. It's a new, I thought that was brilliant. I don't see everybody raise your hand. The idea of the power, we're looking at a whole new level of partnership today in terms of talent. Where are you working from? Who's in the room with you? Who's in the house? How many hours a day do you have? Who's distracting you, right? So, oh, I like that. Florian, rescue me here. Florian, Davis. I'm not going to ask if you disagree with Morton, but just comment. Go, go ahead, yeah, Florian. Yeah, so, so, yeah, so, so just, just one side remark that you just, just pointed it out from the, the work-life balance to this work-life integration. And I really like the expression of the, the uh, work-life dynamics so in terms of you have phases where you are working or have to work much harder, but then there are phases where you say, okay, I have to take care about my family and, and all this stuff. So I think that's something which, which, which changes. And just to the word of, of, of modern, I think at the end of the day, we also see, or in my experience, I also see the, the change. And also there are many statistics out when it comes to purpose and the importance of purpose and all this stuff, which shows that, uh, yeah, the, 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 um, that there is an increasing demand on it. But we have to take it carefully in terms of we have many generations, up to three or four generations at the workplace. That's the first thing. The other thing, besides the generation topic, um, there is no one-size-fits-all approach because I have also from my um, experience with my students when they are starting, for example, in our company, there are people who are, first of all, interested in terms of how much can I earn. I totally agree that more and more people uh, are asking what are actually your values, how you are delivering against your values, what's actually the purpose why we are running this business. Um, and I think given the COVID-19 crisis, all the criteria um, Morten just pointed out, out, they are getting in terms of uh, tenant retention even more important because in this crisis, also the character of an, uh, of an company is showing up. So are you taking care of your people? Are they important? How how we are coming together through this uh, or, or all these challenges. And I think that's uh, even more important. Of course, it's, it's great and also having a safe salary at the end of the month, of course. But uh, how uh, our companies are acting in, in, in such uh, stress situations uh, are even then more important. And um, yeah, so with all this stuff around talent, um, uh, retention, uh, giving people also the, the appreciation um, on a, on a, a timely basis, not only once a year where you are saying, okay, you did a great job, therefore you get a bonus X, Y, Z, but do this on a, on a weekly basis or when something happens, which is good, is happening, appreciate it, give some spot awards or, or whatever. And often it's only the, the appreciation which, which uh, cares at this point. And uh, yeah, so um, I really like this, uh, this, um, uh, this statistic. So. Thank you very much. Oliver, join us. Thoughts about what Morton shared and or Florian's comments. You're up. Yeah, so um, re relating to, to Morton's uh, list of priorities that this study found where, where salary is sixth, uh, roughly. Um, I also think that next to, to purpose, of course, which uh, Florian highlighted, 
um, it, it's important to really offer yeah some yeah let's call it an embracing culture uh, right uh, to employees to to really get them on board um, get them on their path of professional development um, help them achieve mastery um, ideally autonomy of course in in what they're supposed to do and and how they do it and um, really create sort of a, a mindset that um, they can they can connect to and yeah that sort of would sort of form the, the glue that keeps a team or, or a company stick together um, also in difficult times. Thank you. Florian, I'm going to you next, but I'm going to do something different. I'm going to read your statement number three, which is a comment on what you just shared in response to what Morton said. And then I'm going to read number four and have us go around the table briefly. We've got 10 minutes left to the show. So Florian said in number three, and this speaks to what he just mentioned without using the statement. He said, we will see an increasing demand in adjusting recognition programs from a pure focus on achievement awards to a mix of short, mid, and long-term components. And that's what you just commented on. Show the appreciation in different ways. That you don't wait for those, oh, how'd you do on your KPIs nine months later? I know in some companies you work on your KPIs and then three months later you get feedback on them. By then, you're already finished with the year. You don't know where you stand. And it, it's just all out of whack. So I appreciate that. I think everybody appreciates that. Do it more closely to the activity, to the achievement. So here's number four from Florian. He says, working more in a virtual environment requires two things from HR. First, E2E digital process. Second, a different way how to lead. Florian, why don't you briefly take about two minutes, unpack that, and then we'll quickly go around the table and see what uh, Oliver and Morton have to say. Florian, you're up. Yeah, yes. So the, the, the first um, point is, is quite uh, related to the one uh, Oliver mentioned at the beginning. So uh, taking an, an advantage of, of, for example, cloud uh, technology, you have to take care that uh, on the one hand side, the first thing is when you're working in a virtual environment that the people have the infrastructure they need. I think that's uh, checked on it. But then also when, when they are interacting with HR, that all the services come in an end-to-end -end digital way. So um, we, we saw situations um, uh, given COVID-19 where, where people have to go back to the office because something has to be printed out or has to, and they, they received it via uh, mail and so on. And these are all processes you can do, uh, all the approval things and so on. Uh, you, you can with e-signature and that's something people are expecting, especially when you are running in crisis, but not only in the crisis, but when you are working from home, that you can consume all these services in, an, in a digital way. I think that's something given um, uh, the, the circumstances around working from home, that's a, that's a prerequisite. Uh, that's one thing. And, and the other thing in, in terms, uh, as you just said, uh, uh, have written around how you are interacting with your people, how you are leading uh, your people. I, I think you, you need another uh, form and, uh, of, of, of conversation. You need much more to have a regular basis of conversation, not this, as I just said, with the spot awards. Uh, once a year, at the beginning of the year, I, I give you your objective and uh, please go. And we will speak to each other at the end. You need some some other kind of regular uh, exchange, uh, and also to 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 think about when people are working virtually and you, you don't have them in, in front of you, you don't see them at the at the office. Um, how to get an, an uh, impression of them, how they, how they are doing, what are actually their challenges, and and how to cope with it. And I think that's something. It has has a lot to do with empathy. It has a lot to do with trust because you have to trust that the, your people are working on something. Uh, so also there, I'm coming from uh, financial services where in my times, uh, in my days, it was quite, uh, there was hierarchy. 
and people have to go to the office from nine to five. And if someone is from nine to five, then it's check mark is productive. And that's, yeah, that, uh, that's something which, which doesn't work. Also not in the, uh, it's not only about uh, vir- working virtually. So uh, trusting in your people, setting objectives and based on the objectives, um, uh, cope with them. I think that's something which uh, has to, to, to change in, in some, to some extent. Thank you, Florian. I, I'm remembering with, with a smile and great affection the days when I worked at a bank that used to be called Chase Manhattan Bank. I was in the marketing department. I was doing global, global cash management division. I was doing their marketing with them and for them. And I remember I was, I, I, I was uh, with a group of neighbors who loved to get into the city, businessmen who owned their own companies, and they would pick me up at 6.15 in the morning, and we would take the Long Island Railroad into Manhattan, and I would be the first one on the floor. Chase was where I worked, was in the big building that was in the movie Wall Street with the big marble columns, near a block from the World Trade Center, so that gives you context. And I was one of the first people on the floor at 7.25 in the morning, having commuted from Long Island. Now, everybody in the group, in the team, was still there at five, six at night. I had already been there from 725 in the morning. I left around 530 to catch my train, took me two hours to get home and commuter train traffic and walking home from the station and getting home at 730 at night to have dinner with my daughter. Now, they were all still there. A lot of them were in the city or in New Jersey, shorter commute, and they were still there. I was the one who left at 5.30 at night. How dare she? So visibility, right? Visibility equated loyalty, equated commitment, equated part of the team. And if I was there before anyone was there, how did they know? So so Flor- Florian's uh, quickly, we're already in the crystal ball predictions round, but I want to get comments back on what Florian said because it was a wonderful statement. So um, let's see, Oliver, why don't you quickly comment on, on that? And then Morton and then Oliver will tee up your prediction. We'll go beep, beep, beep. Oliver, what do you think? Yes, uh, just briefly, I, I really think uh, trust is key, right? It is replacing all of what you just mentioned, Bonnie, like showing visibility, mm-hmm. um, like uh, being, being there right in front of your manager, exact, uh, who sort of made decisions uh, about your fate uh, sort of in the company. Oh, yeah. So uh, I totally agree to this uh, trust piece. And um, I happen to be a part of an agile organization where we have self-led teams, self-organized teams, and that adds even uh, other aspects to it where there's no traditional line manager um, uh, around, um, and that makes it uh, uh, even more interesting, I'd say. Thank you. Morton, I'm going to give you 30 seconds to respond while while Oliver tees up his prediction. Go ahead. (laughs) I, I loved the statements. I think in, 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 in a company where you have managers for every step uh, of any process, there is a wonderful idea regarding your statement number three. My experience in managing, for example, salespeople has shown that they often wor- uh, work up to achieving goals, whether this is helpful for the company or not. So I think it is uh, more important to, to promote interesting motivation instead of forcing them into a often a senseless goal achievement and for about your statement number four yes you are um, addressing two different subjects technology and leadership and um, concerning leadership i believe the focus on the interesting motivation um, of every team member is more important so great thank you thank you oliver 20 second predictions all right 30 seconds i'll give you real fast get ready go ahead let me check my watch here. So um, I think um, like a, a, a good combination, proper combination of a cloud technology, uh, a trust in your employees, uh, a proper culture and mindset, uh, 
will make uh, companies uh, succeed and uh, still be relevant in the years ahead, which of course is the prerequisite for, for all the employees to, to strive together. Thank you. Morton, 20 seconds. We're almost out of time. Go ahead. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, um, I think um, today's generation is demanding a different approach to to thinking about their career. So um, the trend will be for the employees in the five to 10 years, they will start to ask for more transparency, more core determination in their company. And these are some, some say the same things that we have in the digital world and in the digitalization. And they are used to that. And um, they not longer accept slowness, slowness in decision making, slow, slowness in, in commenting on social issues, slowness in defining careers. So, um, yeah. And finally, reskilling is also a big part of the new work deal. The HR must be and will be fully integrated with the business agenda. Thank you very much, Florian. Veet, veet, veet. Yeah. In, uh, so my prediction in five years from now, we will have a, a discussion around about how to bring people back to the offices. And uh, I'm also predicting a closing with our uh, sports and tennis that uh, Roger Federer is uh, winning or has just won Wimbledon since it's July. So. <laughs> <laughs> and becoming number one. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, yeah, Thank yeah. You. <laughs> Thank you. Roger, don't retire. Roger, Roger. Yeah. I want to say thank you, too. I have so enjoyed getting to know the three of you. I'm so impressed with your thought leadership and your ability to think. And this is not a webinar where we read slides. We're just real people having a conversation. And I wish my listeners could see the smiles on the faces and how they think and how they speak. It's been a pure joy. So I want to say a shout out and thank you to Aaron Keller, our engineer extraordinaire at World Talk Radio, Voice America, the business channel. And thank you to Neil Cox and Maggie Goralska and Nuala Spooner for sponsoring and handling the management behind the scenes of this series. Nuala, wonderful panel. Thank you so much for doing your, your prep work with them. I really appreciate it. I'm Bonnie D. Graham, and here's my call to action. Fasten your seatbelt. My car is still getting three, mi- three months to the gallon. I don't know how yours is doing, but we're doing pretty well. What are you waiting for? Go out and be a game changer. To- I used to be a stand-up comedian. Now I just try to be funny sitting down. <laughs> Go out and be a game changer today, just like Oliver Morath at MetaFinance, just like Morton Babakani at BrandMonks, and just like Florian Dreyfus at SAP Success Factors. Everybody be great, be safe, be secure, be savvy, and just be safe. That's it. Be healthy, be well. Everybody wave goodbye. Bye-bye. Thank you. Thank you, guys. Thanks again for tuning in to The Power of Partnerships, changing the game for digital transformation. Presented by SAP, the best run SAP. To keep the conversation going, tweet your questions and comments to Twitter hashtag SAPRADIO. Please join host Bonnie D. Graham again on the Business Channel. We wish you a positively game-changing week.